Shabbat Shalom. Um, as many of you know, we spent uh, Lag Baomer in, um, in Israel, and um, as I say, I think almost every year now that um, when we come back from it, those of you who haven't yet experienced uh, Lag Baomer, it's, um, it's a very, uh, again, an unbelievably powerful connection, and if you get the chance, you know, uh, if there is a Lag Baomer next year, to, um, to, uh, to come there to the level of connection, the light that you receive is way beyond anything you can outside of that, um, of that uh, geographical location. Uh, one of the things you get to do, obviously when you're in Israel, you get to go to the different uh, graves of the Kabbalists and it's always, hopefully, when you make the connection, you actually gain a, a deeper level, both connection to the, to the soul of that, of that person, but also to the teachings of that person. And um, one of the Kabbalists that I went to visit on this trip was, um, was named as, by the name of his book, the Arvei Nachal. He's buried, those of you who know, in the old cemetery in Sfat, uh, just a few feet below in a cave, below where uh, the Arir of Isaac Luria is buried. And um, he explains, this week's portion begins with the, with the words, the Creator, the light of the Creator is revealed to Moshe, to Moses, in the desert. I mean, Bar Sinai. And the Zohar speaks about the fact that in order to truly merit, in order to truly merit a connection to the light of the Creator, a person, each one of us, has to come to the level of being like a desert. What does that mean? It means a person has to come to the point where he has, as the Kabbalists refer to it, hitbatlut, removal. A, a giving up of the self, what we call the ego, the desire to receive for the self alone. And only a true hitbatlut, only a true giving up of the ego, can enable us, can enable a person, to connect to the light of the Creator. Not coincidentally, we always read this reading of Bamidbar before Shavuot, because the great light of Shavuot, which is the light of Bila Hamavad the light of removal of death, from this world can only really be brought to a person, to the individual and to the world, when this concept, when this consciousness of being like a desert is both understood and acted upon. So we begin this Shabbat with the understanding that we have to connect to this level of Bemidbar, becoming like a desert. How do we become like a desert? How can we awaken our consciousness, our desire and ability to achieve this level of hitbatlut, of, of giving up, surrendering of the ego, of the, of the self. So the Avei Nachal uses a very powerful example to explain this idea. And the way he speaks about it, again, is, uh, is very strong, but also, of course, very important. He uses the example of a seed and a tree. He says that, explains that spiritually all the ground in the world has the ability to sustain growth of vegetation, has the ability to give the sustenance both physically and spiritually to sustain growth of vegetation, of trees. You take though, you have to take a seed. A seed, its purpose, physically and spiritually, is that it gathers up all of the light of growth, all of the light of sustenance, of the ground around it, and then 
taking in all that light, all that energy, all that sustenance, it is able then to grow up and become a tree. He says though, but if you look at the process that the seed goes through, the only point at which the power of the earth to assist growth can manifest within the seed, it's only once the shell around that seed disintegrates, breaks open, and then and only then is it able to take in all the nutrients from the ground around it, all the light from the ground around it, and grow. If, for instance, you take a seed and you hermetically seal it with some sort of you know, impenetrable material, and you put it in the best ground in the world, and you give it the best nutrients and you water it all day and all night, nothing's going to happen. You have the seed, you have the light and assistance of growth from the land, but if the seed, the shell of the seed is not broken open, it will never grow. No light will enter, no nutrients will enter, nothing will enter the seed. And he explains that the same is true for every single one of us. That we can spend all of our lives revealing light, all of our lives bringing light into this world, but we may never partake of that light, bring that light to actually become manifest in our lives if we do not break our shell. That is the concept of Hitpatlut, and how do we accomplish it? He explains that, and those of us who have studied from the ten luminous emanations, from the teachings of the Ari, Rav Gloria, and Rav Ashlag, there's a very interesting, interesting concept that Rav Ashlag speaks about over and over again. And that is that within, we know that, for instance, the basic framework of any spiritual entity is ten sfirot, keter through malchut. There's also a basic framework of the five worlds, that is the entire reality, starting from Adam Kadmon, the first world, and then to Atzilut, Briah, Yitzira, and Asiya. Those five worlds. So you have five worlds, you have ten Sfirot, and they are all um, contained within each other. But the Ari, Rav Isaac Luria, and Rav Ashlag explain something which, again, Rav Ashlag makes a point to repeat over and over. And that is that within each one, of the ten sefirot, let's assume you have the ten sefirot, Keter, Chochmah, Bina, Chesed, Gvorat, Eferet, Netzachod, Yesod, Al-Mochut. Within Keter, for instance, there is another set of ten sefirot. So there is ten within the first one, ten within the second one, etc. and so forth. And it goes further. Within each one of the ten that are within the first one, there's another ten. And this goes on forever. Within every form, framework, there is an endless amount of sfirot within sfirot, worlds within worlds. And he asks the question, why is it necessary? Why did the Creator create it in this way? Why did the Rabbi Isaac Luria reveal to us this framework? And he explains it's because it's necessary for our growth. Use the example, let's say, of a person who's climbing up a mountain. And because it's a high elevation, there are clouds at different distances. And he doesn't, we, the person climbing doesn't really know how high it is to get to the peak of the mountain. He starts climbing, and he climbs for, let's say, a thousand feet. And at a thousand feet, he breaks through one level of the, of the clouds. And then he sees that there's another 10,000 feet to go, 
at least before the next cloud. Now that might be the peak, or that might be just the clouds. And he walks for another 10,000 feet. And he breaks through the clouds, and then he sees there's another 100,000 feet to walk, at least to the next level of clouds, and so on and so forth. That is the way our spiritual work, if it's done correctly, if we are truly connecting and growing and changing, is. That we do the work and we push ourselves and we grow and we make our connections and we're literally growing. But we always have to be able to come to a point where what we see further ahead of us, the distance that we yet have to go and grow, is ten times more than anything we've accomplished. There's this idea of, and the Kabbalists speak about it, of, about looking back and saying, I've done nothing. Now, it doesn't literally mean I've done nothing, because, you know, unfortunately there are people in this world who literally have done nothing. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, hopefully, those of us who are dedicating our lives to true growth, to true connection. But, and this is, on the one hand, scary, on the second hand, a very important question that we have to ask ourselves. Do we have moments, once a week, once a month, every so often when we have that clarity, when we look ahead to what we still have to accomplish, and when, look back, when we look back at what we've already accomplished, we realize that what we've done compared to where we have to grow is almost nothing. That realization, that's not, that should not be something that you know, sort of depresses us or upsets us, that is a true connection. If we do not merit it, as unfortunately too often we sort of get stuck and we're okay with where we're at, and yeah, we see there's a little bit more to go, and, but we've done quite a lot, that is not a connection to the light of the Creator. That clarity, of the, having the clarity of how far we have to go, and when you look back at what we've done, it is much, much less than the distance we have yet to go. That moment of clarity is the moment of what the Kabbalists call Hitbatlut, when we had that moment of surrender because we realized that we, we, th we thought we were working so hard and pushing and growing, but now when we have a moment of clarity and we see the distance we yet have to go and we look back at what we've accomplished, we realize that there's so much more to do than what we've done. That moment of clarity is what opens up our shell. And what allows the light of the Creator that we've revealed to become manifest in our lives. Now this understanding has many, many ramifications. The first of which, which I hope scares all of us a little bit, is that if we do not have those moments relatively consistently, what it means is that the light that we reveal, the light that we manifest, can almost never come in to our souls, to our lives. Because just as with the seed, if it never breaks open, if it never breaks open, all the light and nutrients of the perfect ground around it will never enable it, will never enter it and therefore enable it to become a tree, so too every single one of us. If we do not have those moments of breaking, now, breaking, not in a negative sense, because if you're connected and you have these awakenings, these, these moments of clarity from the light of the Creator, they are the most inspiring moments in our lives. 
But if we do not have them, if we do not have those moments, again, if it's once a week, if it's once a month, where we see how far we still have to go, in reality, what we're seeing is not the end, but only sort of the next level. And we look back at what we've done, and we realize that compared to where we still have to grow, what we've done is almost nothing. If we do not have those moments, we are like the seed that is hermetically sealed and planted in the best ground in the world. If it is not able to be broken open, if the shell is not able to be broken through, the best ground in the world, the best nutrients in the world, all the watering in the world will not help it become a tree. And all of us have light that we've revealed. All of us have light that we have accomplished. But it cannot enter into our soul, into our lives, unless we have these moments of breaking of the shell. And as we said, those moments of breaking of the shell come from those moments of clarity. When we see the distance, we see what we've done, and realize that the disparity isn't just it's a little bit further to go or some more to go, but oh my God, it's so much more than everything I've done so far. Those are the moments of breaking open of the shell, and those are the moments that allow the light to manifest in our soul, in our lives, and those are the moments that are truly the times of connection to the light of the Creator. This is, again, if we understand it, it's a tremendously important Nacha, the Kabbalist that, that we visited, speaks about this point. He says, this is the point upon which everything circles. This is the point of everything. Because if you lack, if we lack these moments, even if we lack initially the understanding of the need for these moments, we cannot receive from the light of the Creator. And therefore on this Shabbat, one of the first things we have to ask ourselves as we hopefully begin to make ourselves into a desert, into this level of surrender. When was the last time, when was the last time I had that clarity about how further, how much further I have to go? And when I look back at what I've accomplished, I realize that it's almost nothing compared to how much further I have to grow. If that hasn't happened recently, then we have to beg for it on this Shabbat. Because we understand that without those moments, we are not growing, we are not manifesting the light of the Creator in our lives. That is the single most important question and clarity that we have to have on a consistent basis in our growth in our lives. Having those moments where we see how much we have to grow, where we see how much we have to change. And with that, we look back at what we've done and we realize compared to what I still have to do, compared to the work that I still have to accomplish, I've done almost nothing. Now there's one other point that I'd like to add to this understanding. And that is that as Rav Ashlag explains, our desire is the vessel into which the light of the Creator becomes manifest. So if as unfortunately too often we look at our lives, we say, yes, there's some things that I should make better or grow, but I've also accomplished quite a lot behind me. My desire, my need is relatively limited. But if I look ahead to what I still have to do and have that clarity, which is a merit that we receive, to have that clarity about how much further we have to go, and I look back and I realize that compared to what I still have to grow and, and go, I've almost accomplished nothing, then my desire, 
My vessel is that much greater, that much bigger. I can receive and will receive that, that much more light to assist my growth. So the first gift of this Shabbat, the first understanding of this Shabbat, is to ask for, to understand that we need these moments of clarity. We need these moments of hitbatlut, of breaking through our shell. And if we haven't had one of them recently, we ask, we beg from the light to give us on this Shabbat a moment of clarity. Because we know that that moment hopefully becomes a consistent part of our lives is what opens us up truly for the light of the Creator to become manifest in our lives. Is what opens us truly to have a constant connection to the light of the Creator. So that's the first gift, the first understanding. The second idea, it says in this week's portion, if you read, and it's always beautiful when you read the literal story, it's a very relatively boring story, but then when you delve deeper and when you read from the Kabbalists, you see that it is not only not a boring reading or story, but it's one with a tremendous amount of gifts and light. The literal story is that the Creator comes to Moses and Aaron, to Moshe and Aharon, and he says to them, Seu et Rosh b'nei Israel, I want you to go and count the Israelites at the time. And he says, it goes on, the Creator says, and I want you to take all the heads of the tribes, all the leaders and, that should go with you as you go and count. Again, a pretty, you know, boring you know, story. This happened a few thousand years ago. The Creator comes to Moses and Aaron. He tells them to gather up the leaders at the time and come and give and encount the Israelites. But here, the Tiferet Shlomo explains what really was going on then and also what is really going on on this Shabbat. And if you understand, if we, when we come to understand what is happening right now on this Shabbat, it's, again, we understand the uniqueness of this Shabbat, the power of this Shabbat, and why we need this Shabbat before we come to Shavuot. He begins the explanation with a quote from a Mishnah in Pirkei Avot. It says there, Yehi beitcha beit va'ad lachachamim. It says that you should make sure that your home is a place where the sages, the righteous people, always come and gather. It's a very interesting statement, again, because he's talking to all of us, and he's saying that our home, each one of our homes, should be a place of Beit Vad Lachachamim, should be a place where all the souls of the righteous, all the sages and righteous people should always come and gather. Now, literally, if you understand that statement literally, it doesn't make a lot of sense because there's a finite amount of sages and righteous souls in any given time. And if each one of us would, would be trying to make our home the place where they all gather, obviously somebody would be left with an empty home. So what does it mean when the Kabbalists say in the Mishnah in Perkei Your house should be a place where the sages... The righteous people come and gather. So he explains. We know that if a person does a positive action completely, every action that we do that is complete, that is with the totality of our investment of energy, then a person merits what's called an ibu a spark of soul 
from a righteous person, from a person whose life was dedicated to that action. Who, for instance, and he brings the example from the Ari, says that the Mechaber Midrash Shmuel, there was a certain sage at the time, who received a spark of the soul of Rabbi Pinchas ben Yair, of a soul that had lived many, many uh, generations before him, because the one thing that Rabbi Pinchas ben Yair, who was also the father-in-law of Rabbi Shimon ba Yochai, the author of the Tsar, well, he was his unique quality was always sharing to people in need. And with this person, this person who came many generations after him, when he dedicated his actions towards sharing with others in need, and he did it completely, Beshlemut, as they explain, he merited to receive a spark of the soul of Rabbi Pinchas ben Yair. Now this concept of Iburim, this concept of receiving sparks of soul is something that I think, again, those of, those of us who have been around the center, those of us who read from the Zohar, we know this concept. But what we need to become awakened to is how necessary this is for us. I think sometimes when we think about this concept of you know, receiving <clears throat> sparks of souls from the righteous, it's a nice concept. But here I'd like to share with you something that Rav Ashlag writes in the introduction to the Zohar. He says, A person can never grow from one level to the next without the assistance of an ibul without the assistance of a spark of a soul from a righteous person. Think about that for a moment. No matter how much work we do, no matter what we do of a spiritual nature, we are unable to go from one level to the next without an injection of an ibur, a spark of soul, from one of the great souls that have been before us. It is not just a nice thing to receive this assistance of soul. It is necessary for growth. It is impossible, as Rav Ashlag says, to, grow, to go from one level to the next without an ibu, without this injection of spark of soul from one of the souls that have been previous. So now we understand, again, it's an, ibu is not, no, no longer, hopefully for us, a nice concept. Not something that's, you know, if it happens, it's nice. This is something that is necessary for our constant growth. When it says, Yihi Beit Chav, Beit Vad when it says your house should be a place where the sages, where the righteous gather, it doesn't mean those who are around today. But it means that if you are endeavoring to be connected to the light of the Creator, you have to make sure that there is always Iburim in your house, in your soul. And we have to ask ourselves, you know, I think maybe for some of us this is a concept a little bit beyond us, but this is a necessary and practical idea. We need, if we want to be growing, to be making sure that our soul is receiving these sparks of souls in assistance. There's three ways that we receive Iburim. It all, of course, begins with consciousness, which is a, an understanding an awareness of our need for, these, for this assistance of sparks of soul. Second, now again, so that, that's where it all begins. Hopefully we're there now. We understand that we cannot grow without these assistances of sparks of soul. How do we receive these Iburim? How do we receive this assistance of these souls? Three ways. 
One is by connecting them to them through study. That when we read, for instance, and that's why the Baal Shem Tov and the great Kabbalists, whenever they talk about study, they don't speak about reading, let's say, even from the Zohar, but they speak about the fact that we have to make sure that when we read from the Zohar, we have a vision of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai standing in front of us and teaching us the Zohar. Why? When we read from the Torah, we have to have a vision of Moshe, of Moses, standing in front of us and reading to us the Torah. Why? Because the purpose of these connections, if it's the reading of the Torah on Shabbat, if it's a connection to the Zohar, is that we want, we are attempting to draw an Ibur. Now it doesn't mean that we receive the totality of their soul. Most of us probably, if we received even one-tenth of, you know, not much less than that, of the soul of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, we'd probably, you know, not be able to function. But it means receiving a small amount of spark of that soul, and as the Kabbalists explain, it's like when you light a candle to another candle, of course the righteous person does not give up, does not lose any part of his soul, but it's receiving an ibu, a spark of light from that righteous soul, enough that we can handle. So the first way we do it is through study, but study with consciousness. That when we read from the Zohar, this is our consciousness. We are asking that this, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai in that case, or Moshe Rabbeinu in this case, give us assistance from an ibul from the spark of their soul. That's one way that we can receive an ibul. A second way is by going to the graves of the righteous. And this is one of the m most important reasons when we were going through to the different graves on this trip. So Monica asked me sort of at different places, you know, what am I meditating? What are the, the meditations for each one? And there are different uh, requests that one can make from different, uh, in, in different places. But one of the most important, if not the most important, is to ask that person, that righteous soul, to give you a spark of their soul, to assist you in your growth. There's a story that uh, Rav Chaim Ital, the student of the Arir of Isaac Luria, relates that his teacher would send him to different graves, and then one day he came back from one of those graves, and his teacher, the Ari, stood up as he entered the room. And Chaimital was a little bit taken aback. Again, his teacher, it is not normal that a teacher stands before a student. And Ari said, I'm not standing for you, but I'm standing for the spark of soul, the hibul that you received from that righteous person you went to visit. And that's, again, the second way that we receive hibulim, the second way that we receive these injections of soul from the righteous is by going to their graves. The third way that we receive injections of soul as the Tiferet Shmuel explains, is by doing actions that they were known for, that was their purpose in life. If a person does an action of complete sharing, which was the path, the way of Rabbi Pinchas ben Yair, he receives an injection of soul of Rabbi Pinchas ben Yair. If a person, for instance, dedicates his life to teaching Kabbalah to another person, to others, he can receive a spark from Rav Ashlag, whose purpose in life was to spread the wisdom of Kabbalah to others, and so on. Every action that we do, there is a soul whose, whose merit that light comes from. And if we do that action in its complete form, we merit to receive an ibu, an assistance of soul from these righteous souls that lived before us. So now that we understand first the necessity, the importance of iburim, 
of receiving these sparks of soul. And we want now that our lives, as it says in Pirkei Avot, our homes, our soul, should be a place where these sparks are coming in all the time. And we understand also three ways that we can draw these Iburim. Let's speak about this week's parasha. The Tiferes Shomo says, we know that on Shavuot there's the revelation of of removal of death forever from this world. How do we prepare? We know that the Shabbat before any great day is the preparation for that revelation. How do we prepare? He says this reading is the most important preparation for Shavuot. It says, we began this discussion with the verse, it says that literally Moses and Aaron are counting the Israelites, and it says, Take all the leaders, all the great souls with you, the Creator tells Moses and Aaron, literally when you're going to count 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 of years ago, take the leaders with you. He says that's not what it's talking about. Kocham, what does it mean? On this Shabbat, right now, the souls of Moses and Aaron and the souls of all the righteous who have lived before us are coming to us to give us an ibu, to give us an assistance from the spark of their soul. When it says to the Creator, tells Moses and Aaron, gather with you all the leaders, it doesn't mean the leaders at the time, it means now, as you come back down into this world on this Shabbat of Bemidbar, bring with you all the great souls that have been before you, all the souls of the righteous that have been before us, and that they come on the Shabbat to assist every single one of us. And therefore this reading always occurs before Shavuot. Because what is special about this Shabbat, what is unique on this Shabbat, it is the Shabbat of Iburim. It is a Shabbat when now, now, Moses and Aaron, who bring together with them all the souls of the righteous that have been before us. And they come to us on the Shabbat if we prepare ourselves, if we ask for it, if we understand it. And they give us an additional spark of soul. That is what this Shabbat, probably the greatest gift of the Shabbat. There is no other Shabbat of the year that is dedicated to Iburin, that is dedicated to the receival of Receiving of these, assist, these sparks of souls from the righteous. And if you understand this again, this is what an amazing Shabbat. But we have to both understand it and ask for it. Moses and Aaron are here. All, and they bring with them, the Creator tells them, make sure you bring with you all the souls of the righteous before. And they are prepared as we come to this reading to give us a spark of a soul of all these righteous souls that have been before us. And every single one of us needs it. And any, every single one of us can receive it if we ask for it. And what the Tiferet Shlomo is explaining, we need this before Shavuot. Because in order for us to truly be able to manifest the light of Shavuot, we have to receive these Iburim now. We have to receive these sparks of assistance now. 
If you understand this, if you understand the gift, the tremendous, again, gift that is available on the Shabbat, it's again, one of the most exciting Shabbats of the year. And again, we have to ask for it, and we have to understand that it is here, and we receive these, these sparks. And before we end the discussion on this topic, I want to share with you something that is my favorite statement made on this week's portion, and it's from Nachmanides, one of, we know one of the great Kabbalists, uh, Spanish Kabbalists, who had the Zohar, one of the few who had the Zohar at the time. He writes in discussing the process that goes on on this Shabbat, and again the words are beautiful in the original Hebrew, and I'll try to translate it, but again the power and beauty of these words is that this is what is occurring now. He talks about, again, the physical process then of the counting, of coming before what would happen. They would come before Moses and Aaron, and Moses and Aaron would count them. He says, When each person, and again, this is what happens to us on this Shabbat, this is what happened then, but also is awakened on this Shabbat. When each one of us comes before the first of the prophets, Hashem, and we stand in front of also his brother, the holy man, Aaron. And we mention our name before Moses and Aaron. We will have through this process, again of standing before Moses and Aaron on this Shabbat, and mentioning our names in front of them, in front of Moses, the, f- the first of the prophets, and Aaron, the holy man. We will have with this great merit, and life. Moshe ve'aron yasimu alehem einam letova. Moses and Aaron will look at us with their good eyes. Yevakshu alehem rachamim will ask for mercy upon us, and they will bless us with the blessing. Hashem elokei avotechem, Yosef alechem kachem elef pe'amim. May the the Creator add to you a thousand more. This is what occurred then, and this is what occurs now. Every Shabbat, Moses and Aaron come. We have to awaken ourselves to come in front of them. And they give us this blessing. They give us this blessing. It's a, again, if you understand what is happening, again, this isn't so much you know, sort of a, a, an understanding of, of wisdom, but if you understand what is literally happening now in the world as we prepare ourselves to receive from the light of Bamidbar and the blessings from Moses and Aaron, it's a tremendous, tremendous gift and necessary one before Shavuot. The last idea that I'd like to share also has to do with the Shabbat, but also in, as we prepare ourselves for Shavuot. It says that when the Israelites traveled into the desert, as they were preparing themselves to receive the light of the, what's called the Torah, or Bila Mavid Lanetzach, it says that they traveled, they camped before the mountain, meaning they were preparing to receive Shavuot, the light of Bila Mavadanetza, the light of removal of pain, of suffer, pain, suffering, and death in this world forever. It says that on the first day that they camped, Moses didn't say anything to them. And it says in the Midrash, why? Why didn't Moses say anything to the Israelites the first day, only began talking to them the second day? It says because they were too tired. They had what's called a chulsha in Aramaic. They were tired from the process, from the road. And therefore Moses waited a whole day and then he began the process of revealing Mount Sinai, Shavuot. 
When the Kabbalists talk about this concept of this weakness from the process, they say that what it means is that they had this level of what's called in Hebrew yush. They almost were ready to give up. They were almost ready to give up. And if you think about this, as the Kabbalists raise the question, it doesn't make any sense. You know, let's assume, they use the example, if you're on a boat and you're traveling somewhere, and you've been, you know, it's maybe a three-month journey, and you're in the middle of the ocean, and you're sort of a month into the journey, you have two more months ahead of you, that makes sense that at that point you can become, you can give up. You know, it's, another, it's so, much, so much further away, so much more work to do. But when you're already 50 feet away from the shore, when you see the end of the journey, why would there be any giving up at that point? It doesn't make any sense. But that's what seemingly occurred to the Israelites in the desert. They're traveling and traveling. They go through the going out of Egypt, the splitting of the sea, all these miracles, all these tribulations, and they come a day before Mount Sinai, a day before the revelation of the great light of the tree of life, of Bila Mavadanetzach, of removal of death from this world, and they give up. They have this chul this giving up, but you're right there already. You've done all the hard work. You've traveled all the distance. Why are you giving up now? And the Kabbalists explained that what happened is that the Israelites knew what is meant to occur. That there was going to be this revelation of Bilam, this unbelievable historical revelation of light. And they knew that it's supposed to happen the next day. And they started thinking, logically, are we ready for this? Have we done enough? Have we grown enough? Have we changed enough to merit this revelation tomorrow? And they realized that they hadn't. Meaning if Moses would have told them in two months the revelation will occur, then they'll be excited. Because it makes sense. We'll do enough work in the next two months to grow enough, to change enough, to merit the light of removal of death forever. But we're not there yet. We haven't done enough. We have so much more to do before we'll be ready for that. And the Kabbalists explained that that thought process, a very logical one, is called the thought process of Amalek. It is the Cheshbonot Sheker of Amalek, as the Kabbalists refer to it. The false logic of Amalek. And we all fall to this almost every single day. Meaning, consciously or subconsciously, we say, we assess ourselves, what we've done, how much we've grown, and what we deserve based on that. And often when we look at what we deserve based on that, it's not that much. And we again, either consciously or subconsciously, decide that we do not deserve, that we should not receive, that we haven't yet earned it. That thought process was what, on the one hand, then stopped the true revelation of the complete light at that time, and also what holds us back all the time. And this is especially important as we prepare ourselves for Shavuot. This thought process of, I don't deserve that, give me some more time to work, then give me Shavuot to give me the great light, that thought process is not from the light. That is from the negative side to hold us back. The Kabbalists often said that if there was enough people in the world, and I know I, we probably all fall to this, who really believed 
with certainty that pain, suffering, and death can end tomorrow, it would, or today. But we all have logic on our side. No, no, and I know, I think about this, I'm sure we all do. No, if, if give us another year, if we changed enough, if we brought enough critical mass of consciousness to the world, if we spread enough zol, one more year, then in a year it will make sense. But today, not yet. We haven't done enough personally, globally. We haven't done enough. That thought process is not from the light. We should not, we have to push out that logic to know that, for instance, on this Shavuot, there's going to be this tremendous revelation. Push aside all logic of what we've earned, what we deserve. That light is going to be revealed. We will certainly receive that light. Pushing aside that logic of what we deserve when the light is ready to give us is one of the most important, one of the most important steps in being able to manifest the blessings that are already waiting for us. The Israelites in the desert, the blessing of the blessing of all removal of pain, suffering, and death was ready for them. What stopped it? That they said, we don't deserve yet. We have to grow some more. We have to push some more. There's more that we have to accomplish. There are times for those thoughts, but now is not that time. That logical thought, what the Kabbalists called, the false logic of the negative side is what stopped them at that time and still to this day stops us on a daily basis. We have to understand that we might not logically deserve, we might, the world might not logically deserve, but it's coming. We're going to receive it. And pushing aside that logic and knowing that in any given moment we can receive it is one of the greatest openings that we have to prepare ourselves for all the time, but certainly as we prepare ourselves for Shavuot. And I'd like to end with a story, you know, then our children, before they go to sleep at night, they ask for stories from the Baal Shem Tov, from the Kabbalists. And this week I was telling uh, uh, Miriam, our daughter, a story from the Baal Shem Tov. And this is one that I have heard many, many, many times, read many, many times. But this time when I read it, it, it hit me in a different way. And is very much connected to this week's portion, to this idea. The story is that the Baal Shem Tov, the great Kabbalist, received a message that there is one person in this world whose spiritual work and connection is greater than his. And of course the Baal Shem Tov wanted to know who this person was. He wanted to see what this person does that he doesn't do that is so much greater, so much more important. And he's told the man's name, Moshe, Moses, the shepherd, where he lives. So the Baal Shem Tov takes a group of his students, they go on their carriage and they travel to this village and they come to the fields surrounding that village and they see Moses, Moshe the shepherd, walking with his flock and they park, they wait far enough away where he can't see them. And he's, as his sheep are grazing, he turns up to the heavens and he says, you know, he says you've, to the Creator, you give me so much, I'm so thankful for all the blessings and joy that you bring into my life. And I'd like to give you something in return. But I know that, you know, I'm a simple person. I never learned to read or write. I can't pray. I can't study. He says, but I have a shepherd's whistle. And I know how to blow the whistle. So I hope that my blowing of this whistle is accepted as some sort of thanks for all the blessings you give me in my life. And he starts blowing the whistle. And he blows and he blows for maybe half an hour with all of his strength. And he literally 
finishes up all of his energy, falls to the floor in exhaustion. 20 minutes, half an hour pass by, he gains some more strength, and again, his sheep are still grazing, he looks up to the heavens and he says, you know, I'm so thankful for all the blessings that you brought into my life. And I really want to give you something, and I know that, you know, I, I wish I could pray, I wish I could study, but I don't know how to read, but I know how to dance. So I hope my dancing is accepted as some sort of thanks for all the blessings that I have. And he starts dancing with all of his strength for maybe 45 minutes. Invest all of his energies into it. And he literally exhausts himself completely. He falls on the ground again. And after again, maybe a half an hour, he regains some strength. He again says, you know, I want to thank you for all the blessings and joy that you bring into my life. And again, I can't pray, I can't study, but you know, I have this coin, this penny that was given to me as payment for my work. So I hope that you accept this as, as some form of, of giving thanks. And he throws up the penny into the heavens. And the Baal and his students see a hand come out and grab that penny. And the Baal said to his students at that moment, he said, I thought that I knew what work, what spiritual work was, what a connection was, but I realize now that I had no idea. And for every single one of us, this is, should be a tremendously inspiring understanding. We, again, subconsciously, that, you know, sort of the, the desire to receive for the self alone, the negative side comes in all the time. You know, this action that you're going to do, how important is it going to be? Maybe in a year, when you're, when you're pure, when you're more righteous, when you're more connected. But now, yeah, do the connection, it can't hurt, but how much will it accomplish? That is not coming from the light. That is coming from the negative side. And if when we understand that at any given moment, at any given moment today, we can accomplish unbelievable things with one action where we invest all of our energies, like Moses the shepherd, then we realize it changes everything. And I'll share with you a quick story, not that important, but I, I told my daughter the story Wednesday night, and, and we had been traveling a lot, and I was very, pretty tired and Wednesday night, as I was about to do the Svirata Omer, the special connection that we do now in these 49 days, I was tired and I was about to do it like I do it very often. Then I remembered the story. I said, no, realize that this one Svirata Omer can do tremendous things in the upper worlds, in this world. And I tried to inject all of my effort of consciousness, of thought, of concentration into that action. And you know what? It did, at least for me, more than any of the Sfirat HaOmers, any of those connections that I had done the previous days. But what happens is that the negative side tells us, you know, wait. You know, in some time from now, you'll be ready to really do great things. You'll be ready to really manifest great light with your actions. No. Now. Now. Now, if I inject all of my energy into action, any action that I do, I can now reveal the greatest light. Shabbat Shalom.